you can, give me six straight weeks. Don't, don't, don't wake up one of those Sundays and go, well, it's, it's starting to rain. And it's going to be tough to get the kids out, out the door. Give me six straight weeks. Well, pastor, my college football team played a late game, and, uh, and they, did, they didn't end until after midnight because they were on the west. Give me six straight weeks. Most families, statistics say that most families come to church one and a half times a month. Now, here's the deal. I don't know where the half comes from. Like, how do you, like, how, mathematically, how does that work? I think, I think it's the people that show up 20 minutes late. <laughs> Can I, everybody's like, if I'm, it's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Exposed. My wife was late this morning. It's okay. <laughs> Pastors are late, too. But, no, she's not. <laughs> if, I, if she's in trouble, that means really I'm in trouble. I, I, are you saying I'm in trouble because I said that, because I called her out? Probably. I'm human. I'm human, Gary. Give me a break. She had a baby. That's right. But get, give me six straight weeks. This is what I know about the past 18 months. Let me get real for a second. This is what I know about the last 18 months. COVID has bred complacency. All across our culture, our society, COVID has bred complacency. And we need to be intentional about reteaching consistency. Reteaching consistency. I was going to say, give me five, but I added another week to the series. So I'm going to say, give me six straight weeks. Turn to your neighbor and say, give me six. Give me six. Turn to your spouse and say, we're coming six. Turn to your significant other and say, you better be here six. If you want to marry me, you better be here six. You know what I'm saying? I was talking with, uh, I was talking with Zach Brock. After our, our competition, Zach, you keep coming to church and we'll keep using these illustrations. But I was talking to Zach Brock about, um, about CrossFit and after our, our competition. And uh, he said something that, that's really stuck with me and not just in, in my fitness kind of journey, but, but in my life journey. Uh, but he said this last week. I said, Zach, how do you, how do you consistently get better at CrossFit? How, how do you consistently get better week after week, year after week? How do you consistently get better? And he said three words. He said, just show up. Just show up. Church, can I encourage you just to show up? Because, because I truly believe that God will honor a willing heart. God will honor a heart that just shows up. You, you say things like and you pray things like, I just want my marriage to be better. Just show up. You, you say things like, I want to have a deeper relationship with my kid. I want to I tell them about Jesus. Parents, just keep showing up. We say things like, I, I wish worship was just a little deeper. I wish it would go just a little longer. Just keep showing up. I, I wish God would answer my prayers. Just keep showing up. We have to keep showing up. Because during times of crisis and during times of uncertainty in our society and even during times of crisis and uncertainty in Scripture, what we see is that God always raised up a people. And even, even in uncertainty, even in turmoil, there's groups of people throughout Scripture that prosper. Because part of the witness of Jesus is communities that prosper. God always raises up a remnant, but he raises up those who live counterculture. And, and I think I could probably say in this society that we're living in today, counter crazy, right? Like, like li live counterculture. But, but look at Abraham. Abraham, the first father of Israel, he just showed up. Think about Noah. He just showed up day after day after day, and he built the ark. He just showed up. Think about Moses. Moses didn't even want to go to Egypt, right? And God says, hey, just, just show up. 
the Israelites coming out of Egypt, the Israelites in, in captivity in Babylon, individuals had to just keep showing up the church of Jesus Christ is being raised up here and now. Why? Because we have to keep showing up. And when we keep showing up, this is the title to my sermon, why do we keep showing up? It's because we're a city on a hill. Because we're a city on a hill. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 5. Let me give you some background to what's going on. So a couple chapters before Matthew chapter 5, Jesus gets baptized by his cousin John. And then the next chapter, he spends 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. He's being tempted by Satan. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, it's been more than 40 days for me. Why did Jesus only get 40? Verse 5. says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down. And his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And he said these things. Uh, imagine the scene. Th this is one of Jesus's, if not Jesus's first public uh, time in ministry. Like, sure, he did some things before he was baptized, like he, he made some water into wine and stuff like that, but, but this is the first time that he's really teaching. And he doesn't, he doesn't get up on some grand door stage. What does he do? He finds a spot, and he welcomes people in, and he, and he has a seat. And he starts saying things that are counterculture. He starts saying things that are a little different. He starts saying things with the end in mind. Remember, this is the beginning of his ministry. But what does he say? He says things like this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Then he goes on and says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Like, this stuff doesn't really make sense. I imagine the disciples are kind of looking. I'm like, Jesus, what in the world? Like, just tell us, like, tell us straight. Like, what are you talking about? And, and then he goes on. He says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are what? Who are persecuted. Because of righteousness. Jesus, like, don't you know the way to grow a crowd isn't to talk about persecution to start with? Like, like Jesus, don't, don't you know if you want, like, a bunch of people to come in, don't, don't talk about persecution. D don't talk about the, the hard stuff. But he says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on to say this. Bless are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me? It's Jesus' first time in public ministry. And he says, hey, people are going to persecute you because of me. People are going to talk bad about you because of me. People aren't going to agree with you because of me. People are going to call you crazy because of me. And then this crowd starts to gather as he continues to teach. He says, blessed are you when people insult you. Church, there's coming a day. Where when we follow Jesus, we're going to be insulted. Anybody ever been there yet? I've been there. You follow what? You believe in what? 
Like you hadn't even seen the dude and you believe in him. Blessed are you when people insult you and they persecute you and say falsely or falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And then he goes on to say this. He says, rejoice. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You were the salt of the earth. Let me go back to my notes before I get lost. I'm going to preach a different sermon if I keep looking at the screen over there. <laughs> you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Verse 14, this is where we're pulling our sermon for today. For, from today. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse 15, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Can I say something that's a little taboo today? Can I say something out loud that in society it might, might rub people the wrong way? I love Jesus. I, I, I'm okay loving Jesus. I mean, y'all can clap if you want to. I don't care if you clap or not. Like, I, I, I'm going to say it. Like, I, I, I love Jesus. And I love my family. And I'm also going to say something that might seem like a cuss word uh, today. I, I love America. I, I, love, I love America. And I'm not, listen, let, let, me, let me teach through this. Like, Pastor, are you being political? No, let me teach through this. To say that I love America is not to gloss over our historical faults and our historical sins. We acknowledge our sins and we ask forgiveness. And we receive forgiveness and redemption and we move forward. Pastor, how do you know that? Because God doesn't ignore our past. But God redeems our past. It's what he did with me. He saw me as a high school knucklehead and he redeemed my past. I mean, he saw me in college. <laughs> he saw me in college when, when I, I said I was following, but I really wasn't following. And he redeemed, and he redeemed my past. When I fall short, he redeems me day in and day out. God redeems our past. It's what he did with you. It's what he did with me. He redeems us so that he can use our past as a testimony. Let me teach through this. To say that I love America is not to say that I don't love the rest of the world. If I say to someone, if I say to someone, I really love my wife. I really love Jenna. And they heard this. I heard Pastor Zach say he really hates other people. No, I just said I really love my wife. <laughs> that actually reveals brokenness in their life, not my intent. So the more that I love Jenna and the better that I love Jenna, it will actually help me love others better. In the same way we see this in Scripture. Pastor, what are you talking about? Jesus loved Jerusalem. He said Jerusalem. He was talking about, when he's talking about the city on a hill, he's actually talking about Jerusalem. Now, he's talking about your life and my life as well, but, but in the context of what he's teaching, he's talking about Jerusalem. Jerusalem's actually situated on a hill if you look at the topography of Israel. Because a strong, thriving, prosperous Jerusalem was good for the rest of the world. Because when it was good, it was actually a blessing to the rest of the world. We live in a country that even flying our country's own flag offends people. Again, I'm not getting political. Let me just hang with me, all right? Three days after 13 servicemen were killed, a teacher in California made a video about her high school students pledging allegiance to another flag instead of the American flag. Her response was this, 
during COVID, the flag made me uncomfortable. And so she took it down. And she didn't, she didn't put it back up. Now, she would, give, she would give her students an option to say the Pledge of Allegiance or not. They could stand if they wanted to, say what they wanted to. But one of her teachers pointed out and said, hey, uh, there's no flag in the room, so it's kind of awkward if we just stand up. And her response was, well, there actually is another flag. And they started pledging their allegiance to the LBGTQ flag. Don't ever let anyone make you feel bad for loving your Jesus and loving your family and loving your church and loving your city or loving your country. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Why, why do I mention so much? Why do I mention world events happening at this church? It's because if we're not careful, we'll put our heads in the sand and we'll act like everything is okay and it's not going to affect us if we just don't acknowledge it. Can I tell you that things run rampant more when you don't acknowledge them? Can, can I tell you that things in our society run rampant more when we don't shine a light on them? Now, here's the reality. You're called to be that light. The church of Jesus Christ becomes a city on a hill when every person takes responsibility for being light. See, scientifically, there's no such thing as darkness. Scientifically, there's only an absence of light. So when we say there's darkness in the world, guess what? There's only an absence of light. That means there's only an absence of you and of me in the world. If, we're, if we say things like the world is a dark place, if we say things like America is a lost cause, if we say things like I can't believe what's happening in our society, that darkness is running rampant, what we're saying is the church isn't doing its job. Are you truly being the light of the world? Am I, as a pastor, truly being the light of the world? Every person has to take responsibility. Scripture doesn't say that some people are the light of the world. Jesus was very specific. You. You are the light of the world. And every city is only as good as its citizens. Just like every business is only as good as its employees. Just like every church is only as good as its people. Let me, let me ask you these questions. I want you to act like there's a mirror in front of you right now. Act like you can see inside your soul. If everyone prayed like you prayed, if everyone served like you served, if everyone gave like you gave, if everyone loved like you loved, what would the church look like? If everyone mirrored what you're doing, what does the local church look like? Hey, can I be honest with you? When I was typing this out, I was like, man, that's, that's hard for me. <laughs> because I don't love people all the time. I'll be honest with you. I don't have patience with people all the time. I don't have grace with people all the time. But, but what would the church look like? There's a book called The Death and Life of Great American Cities. And this was a quote that I pulled out of a really good read. But it says this. Cities have the capability of providing something for everybody. Only because and only when they are created by everybody. 
I think you can, I think you can substitute the church. I think you could say something along the lines of churches have the capability of providing something for everybody only because and only when they are created by everybody in the church. Some of us just show up on Sunday mornings, we sit in our seat, we check our box, and then we're like, all right, I'm out until next Sunday. Or statistically, I'll see y'all next month. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Why is it important to give us six straight weeks? I think the first step is taking responsibility, and like Zach said, it's just showing up. Because when we show up, you find out who you are and what you're called to do. So what's the next six weeks going to look like? The first week is this. Let me just kind of throw these out there. The first week is this. It's your identity. Who has God called you to be? Week two and three is going to be your gifting. Man, what gifts has God given you? What has he called you to do? Week four is your generosity. That doesn't mean you can show up if you're uncomfortable talking about money. you got to show up. Week five is soul winning. And week six is heart and soul. I, I, my, my, um, I think my favorite week is going to be week six. Darren and I were talking about it this morning. I'm like, I'm going to preach in the back. I'm going to start preaching heart and soul. But, but why do those matter? Because verse 14, you are the light of the world. Let me keep going. The church of Jesus Christ becomes a city on a hill when number two, we don't hide our light. Verse 15, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Do people actually know you're a Christian? Do, do your coworkers actually know that you follow Christ? The, the coffee shop that you go to, do people actually know that you follow Jesus? That place that you always go get lunch and, and that person that always serves you, y'all like have a, a friendship and a relationship. Do they actually know that you follow Jesus? Your neighbors. Do your neighbors actually know you follow Jesus? Do you get uncomfortable talking about Jesus sometimes? If someone started asking you how to pray, would you get, would you get uncomfortable? If someone asked you, man, how, how do I follow this guy named Jesus, would you know how to respond? I think sometimes we get uncomfortable telling people we're Christians. Do people really know what you stand for? Church, we can't ignore what's going on in our society. Now, I'm not calling you to be some Facebook vigilante. In fact, I don't want you to be that person. It's not a good representation of the church. But how do you live your life? What do you make a priority? How, how do you lead your kids? How do you lead your families? How do you lead your business? What, what, are you teaching, what are you teaching your family? If someone asks you about Jesus, do you shy away from the conversation or do you lean in? Number three, we become a city on a hill when we ask God to provide platforms for our light. Verse 15, instead, they put it on its stand. We don't light a light to put it under a bowl. We, we light a light to put it up as high as we can so that it will illuminate the entire room. Ask God to provide you a platform. Now hear me when I say this. I'm not saying ask God to give you an opportunity for people to look at you. I'm only asking people to find Jesus. Let me give you some examples. Brian King, you still in here? No, he's probably counting people in the kids. He's, is he counting right now, Megan? Brian's our designated counter. <laughs> He's like, he does a really good job at it too. But, but Brian, works at, Brian works at the post office. And, and Brian, man, he told us, he told us in a meeting that, that he has been praying, he's been praying for someone for 10 years at his work. And now he's starting to have more and more conversations about Jesus. He's using his platform, his work, to talk about Jesus. Let me tell you about Darius and, and Gary. 
They work at the coffee shop. And there have been countless times where people have come in. Darius, I think you need to like t- start telling people you're a, like you're a professional counselor, because when people come in to like get drinks, they they stand at the bar and they talk to you guys for like. And where's Gary? Gary, you're over here. Same thing, dude. Like like you're a professional counselor. Like people come in that you make a drink and then they stand there and I can hear the conversations. And what I love is if someone's going through a hard time, you will talk to them about Jesus. If someone's going through a rough time, you'll invite them to church. You'll say, hey, I don't know the answer to that situation, but this guy named Jesus does. If y'all want to come to church 10, 15 on Sundays, like, like, not my, like, I can't do it. Jesus can. <laughs> but but you, use, you use your platform to talk about Jesus. Jake, you remember, remember a few months back when that guy came in and y'all, you, you weren't attending the church yet. You were watching some stuff online and uh, you watched one of the sermons. And that guy came in. He was like, he was just broken. He was hurting. And your, your, like, your trip around the gym, showing him what the gym was and what we have to offer, turned into, hey, let me just tell you about this guy named Jesus. Let, let, me, tell you about, let me tell you about this sermon that you could probably watch and, and man, maybe, maybe it'll change your life. Use your platform. Are you using your platform to talk about Jesus? I think one of the biggest, I, ooh, this is going to hurt. I think one of the biggest cop-outs of the 21st century church is that we say things like, I'm just going to live my life and let my life display Jesus. Why? That, that just takes the ownership off of it, right? Like, I'm just going to follow Jesus, and, and if, if people want to watch me, they can watch me, but I'm not going to talk about it. Psalm chapter 119, verse 130 says this, The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Your life matters, but your words matter all the more. Sure, Brian's life matters, but when he talks to people about Jesus, it matters all the more. Sure, Gary's life matters and Darius's life matters, but when they open their mouth, their words matter all the more. The way you live your life will give you an opportunity to open your mouth. The way you live your life will give you an opportunity to open your mouth. The church of Jesus Christ becomes a city on a hill when we live for our light to be shown to others. The back end of verse 15 and going into verse 16, and it gives light to everyone in the house. And the same way, let your light shine before others. See, some of us only let our light shine when we see light shown. Oh, maybe that's me. I can't share my faith at the gym. I don't want to offend anybody. I can't share my faith at work. I need the paycheck. I can't share my faith in a coffee shop. They'll think I'm weird and I I just like going there and sitting down and and drinking my coffee. And we make excuse after excuse after excuse until finally we no longer have to make excuses because sharing our faith isn't even a priority. Listen, I'm, I'm asking you to be authentically yourself. Can I encourage somebody today that shining your light for others doesn't mean that you have to live in perfection. I'm, I'm going to be a little vulnerable. All right, is that all right? Can I be vulnerable? Please? Okay, thank you for your permission. It's the two people that said it. <laughs> I, and don't, don't judge me when I tell you this story. I'm just being raw with you, okay? I'm just being open. A couple, couple weeks back, five weeks ago, to be exact, uh, five weeks ago, uh, we were playing basketball. And, uh, man, an accident happened. I landed on somebody's foot, and, and I went down hard. I ended up actually fracturing my foot. If y'all remember me in the boot, I fractured my foot. And I'm laid on the ground, and I'm, I'm in pain. 
And I just scream out the F word, like loudly. Like it, it hurt, all right? It, don't judge me. I'm like, y'all stub your toe when you say it. Like at least I broke my foot. But, but if I'm honestly like I'm laid on the ground, I scream out the F word probably more than once. And, 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 and all I could think of was this hurts right now. I was in pain. There's 25 guys in the gym, like two of them come to the church. We're trying to get the other ones to come to the church. And I'm thinking, they're going to judge me. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Sorry. Can you show them another church? Probably not going to come here. Pastor drops F-bombs Sunday after he preached. Oh, this was a Sunday, by the way. <laughs> two hours after I preached. <laughs> Sam, I'm sorry. I'll say it again, all right? I pulled a couple guys to the side after. I said, man, aren't y'all, aren't y'all glad that Jesus doesn't like to use perfect people? Because <laughs> I'm not. Sorry, I didn't mean to say it, but it hurt. <laughs> Can I encourage you that God isn't looking for perfection? He's not looking for perfection out of you. But he wants to reveal himself to others through your imperfection. Can you just be yourself around people? Don't be somebody on Sunday morning that you're not on Monday morning. Be yourself. One thing I tell people all the time when I invite them to church, I'm like, hey, I'm going to preach the same way I live. <laughs> Hopefully I don't drop F-bombs while I preach, but you get what I'm saying. You've got to be authentically yourself. Shining your light doesn't mean that you're trying to obtain perfection. Shining your light is allowing others to see Jesus work in your imperfection. Be authentic. The church of Jesus Christ becomes a city on a hill. When we live for your light to bring glory to God end of verse 16, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Everything always points back to Jesus. Everything. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're a coach. I don't care if you work in insurance. I don't care if you're a teacher. Some of you are like, stop calling out what I do just because you know me. I don't care if you work in sales. I don't, I don't care what you do. Everything that you do should always point back to Jesus. Are you using the platform that God is giving to point to Jesus? Every head bowed and every eye closed. One of my, one of my favorite people that I'm reading about right now. I've read about him a little bit in the past, but man, I'm diving in. I, I love reading about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he wrote this from prison. He said, may God in his mercy lead us through these times. If I could pray anything right now over our church, I would pray something along the lines of, may God in his mercy lead us through these times. But he didn't stop there. He said, but above all, may he lead us to himself. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what's going on in your world. I don't know what's going on or what you're dealing with, but, but may God in his mercy lead you through these times. But above all, may he lead him to or lead you to himself. Maybe you would pray something like this, Father, 
Help me to live boldly for you and to be a light for Jesus. Maybe you would pray something like, provide a platform for me to show your light to others that you may be glorified. Let me ask you this. Are you willing to endure? Are you truly willing to endure? Are you willing, are you willing to keep showing up that others might find Jesus? Are you truly willing to take responsibility? Are you truly willing to not hide your light? Church, are you truly willing to use your platform? Are you actually going to talk to Jesus to other people? Are you willing, are you willing to share your testimony that others might find Jesus all for the glory of God? My question is this, are you willing to be bold? If you're willing to be bold, then stand on the front lines, regardless of what society says, regardless of what our government is going through, regardless of what our communities are, are going through. Are you willing to not shrink back? Are you truly willing to let your light shine? Jesus, come hell or high water, we will stand for the gospel message. God, regardless of what falls, we will stand for the gospel message all across this room. If that's